Beyond the Ball, fueling your faith and family through sport. Welcome to the Beyond the Ball podcast with Coach Eric Klump and Coach Justin Gersten. Hey, Hoopheads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Beyond the Ball. Be sure to check out our other coaching-focused podcasts, including the CoachMaze.com podcast, Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Players Court, and Bleachers and Boards. We're also building our stable of NBA pods on the Hoopheads podcast network, including Cavalier Central, Grizz and Grind, Knuck If You Buck, 305 Culture, Blazing the Path, Thunderous Applause, Hashtag Lakers, Motor City Hoops, X's and O's, NBA Breakdown, Spanning the Spurs, and the LA Hoops Pod. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. All right, guys, we're back with another episode of Beyond the Ball. I am Coach Justin Gersten. Joined with me, as always, is my best buddy, partner in crime, Eric Klump. Coach Klumpy, how you doing? Very good. Very good. Our Buffalo Bills showed out on Monday Night Football. Josh Allen had himself a day where I'm really excited to talk to Sal here tonight about the Bills and his journey. So, man, I'm excited for this pod. Yeah, absolutely. If people didn't check the title of this pod and who's our guest, it's uh, Sal Capaccio from WGR is nice enough to come on and join us and just talk a little bit of his, about his journey. Um, talk a little bit about the Buffalo Bills. By the time this episode drops, we're hopefully heading into the playoffs. Um, dare I say with a Super Bowl run on our hands. So Ooh. I know some I know some Bills fans are going to get all weirded out by that comment. Um, I'm, I'm taking the approach of fearlessness, man. We might as well go after it. Yeah, I will say if they play like they did the other night we will have a shot absolutely so uh how's how's everything been going what's uh what's new in your world well, you know, getting in the Christmas grind, we got, uh, we're just trying to keep everything safe in school and get, and get through this. Um, you know, some, some students are moving to become fully remote as they were hybrid. Um, school's still doing a very good job of keeping everything safe. And so we just got to do it the best that we can, you know. Yeah, I, uh, I'm in the same position. I know I shared with you off air a little bit, but I think by the time this episode drops, I'm going to be comfortable enough saying that. I'm taking a new or another role, I should say, at Akron as the athletic director uh, to finish out the school year. There we go. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. And so we're in those same conversations about how we're going to bring back some of these winter sports. Um, and keep kids safe and maybe get coaches approved so that we can at least start doing some training. I know it might all be for not by the time we drop this episode, we might be canceled, you know, for another month, but uh, I'm going to try to remain positive and optimistic that um, we're going to have some sort of basketball. So we're in the same mode, just trying to make sure all of our sports teams are ready to go. So in case we actually do get that season, um, we're locked and loaded and our, our athletes are ready to get yes, on the court. Yes, let's be proactive so. for these kids. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, what's we, Speaking of being proactive, you got a coaching nugget for us tonight? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, my, my coaching nugget is, you know, Always find time to practice special situations. And we're talking about free throws in intense um, moments, you know, creating those moments in practice, um, emphasizing free throw blockout in practice okay. and end of the game situations like coming out of a timeout. I think these are, are special situations that younger coaches and myself didn't practice enough and you always find them making the difference in the end. So that's my little coaching nugget today. What about so- you? Yeah. So before I give you mine, I want to ask you, so how much time would you say a day or a week do you spend on that? Uh, I I would say that I always put um, that into practice at least three to four times in a 15 minute session throughout the week. Throughout the week. So three 15 minute sessions within a week. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's great. I know I've always struggled with trying to find the balance between how much special situation stuff we do. Um, because sometimes if you can't run a regular offense, that special situation offense is kind of irrelevant. <laughs> um, you know, but I like that. I appreciate that, that insight, that knowledge. My nugget is maybe a little bit more to the approach side, um, trying to just help athletes with the mental side of the game. Um, and I read a quote the other day that I really, I really love. So I felt like I needed to share tonight, which is, and it might blend in nicely with our verse for the night too, which is you may not win the day, 
but you still may be winning the week or the month, which I thought was super, uh, mm. super insightful. Yeah. And that sometimes we just have bad days. Uh, and it's cru crucial, absolutely crucial to not let that bad day turn into a bad week or that bad week to turn into a bad month. You know, we could we could put that down as finite as we want, not let one bad hour turn into a bad morning, that type of thing. But um, I think everybody on some level can take something from that concept of even though you're having a rough day, you got to you got to find a way to turn that around. So play present, move forward. Or like yeah. Rafiki said, it doesn't matter. It's <laughs> in the past. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Jung or uh, Lion King reference. Yeah. I love it. Uh, what kind of verse you got for us tonight? Okay. So I was, I was into Matthew this week and it just really stuck to me. So I figured I'd share it. So it said, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak, the words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. And I immediately thought of like the social media aspect. And I feel that social media has turned into quite the platform. And at times, like Jesus said to the Pharisees, like vipers with a mouthful of poison. And I just had to remind myself, you know, um, to keep moving forward in a positive, in a positive tongue and elevate th th those that are around me with reminders that we are all children of God sent to do his work. So that's just been on my heart. Yeah, absolutely. I, we've had this conversation with my kiddos before, you know, that old childhood phrase, you know, sticks and stones will break mm -hmm. my bones, but names will never hurt me. And we actually do not subscribe to that in my house. We constantly are telling our ch children and each other, my wife and I, that names do hurt. Mm -hmm. Like you, you are being very uh, hurtful when you are calling people names and or, um, you know, being rude to them or gossiping about them. And so, yeah, that verse definitely connects home um, in everything that we do, whether we're teaching, you know, or coaching. We talk about culture on here a lot. You know, that's something yeah. that absolutely will undermine a culture. And I think we'll get into that hopefully a little bit with Sal, what he's seen with the Buffalo Bills, because they got one of the best cultures, in my opinion, um, in the league right now. And that's got to be part of it, right? The, the ability to treat each other with kindness and respect. Yeah, I mean, at a professional level where individuals are relying on another individual for maybe bonuses or, or their job in general, it has to be quite an environment where you have to cultivate a culture and believe in that culture and get everybody on the same um, bus, you know. So I'm, I'm interested to see what Sal says about how Sean does it. Yeah, absolutely. So Sal is coming up in here in a little bit, and we're going to talk a little bit of Bills, hopefully getting ready to make a playoff run here. Who you think is going to be in when, by the time this episode drops? Who we got either top teams in the AFC, top teams in the NFC? What are you thinking, Coach? I know you're a football guy. You coach some high school football. You got your, your hand in the cookie jar a little bit there. Okay. What do you think? Okay, I like this question. Um, let's see what we say, and then let's compare it to what Sal's got. You know, I yeah. like it. Um, so in the AFC, I think that there's there's um, no getting around it. I think that top team is the Chiefs by far. They had the little hiccup against the Raiders. And also what I did notice is that the other teams in the AFC West seem to slow the Chiefs down a little bit. So I'm wondering if, if other teams are going to kind of like piggyback on what those teams are doing to slow the Chiefs down. But I still got them at number one. They're, they're just so tough. Patrick Mahomes. Number two, my number two is probably going to surprise some people. I got the Browns there. I know your boy JC is there running the center show. Um, but I mean, you got, you come back to the point that they've got a number one overall pick in Baker Mayfield. They got a, a number one overall pick at the defensive end in Miles Garrett. And, you know, when it comes to the playoff time, when they can run the ball with Chubb and Hunt, uh, I think they're going to be a real tough outcome playoff time. Um, number three, I got our Bills. After Monday night, um, they showed up. We've had our ups and downs with the Bills, and, and it's crazy to think that one Hail Mary and this team would be uh, only two losses on the season. Right. Uh, and, and number four, I, I got our Coach Strickland's team, you know, the Steelers. Yeah. And we're going to see where we match up and how well we match up with them on Sunday night primetime game. So the, those are my top four in the AFC. I got the Chiefs, number one, Browns, number two, our Bills at three and the Steelers at four. So let's hear what you got. 
Yeah, I, I'm not even going to go that in depth, to be honest, because I've only really watched this season as a fan. It's been my fantasy football team was trash, <laughs> you know. And so to be honest with you, I've really just watched it as a fan. Um, but I like all your picks. I mean, there's no doubt Kansas City is amazing. And one thing that, you know, I gives me hope as a Bills fan is we play them really tough um, considering, you know, COVID and no fans in the stands and, you know, testing and injuries. We played them pretty tough when we played them this year. Um, so I'm really excited to maybe see a rematch with them. I know Steelers are always going to be tough, and mm -hmm. that's maybe a little of that Buffalo Bills fan doubt coming in, yeah. you know, dealing with the Steelers. But, um, you know, the Browns, I'm pulling for the Browns. They're, they're my second. That's your guy. Like, that's your guy. You got that's to. That's my guy, right? I'm going to, I'm going to definitely root for them. Um, and they're, and they're similar to Buffalo. So, um, I, and I like a lot of the personalities on that team. So I, I'm hoping that the Brownies pull through, but you know, they're very similar to the bills, man. They got to show me, mm -hmm. they got to show me first. So I don't know. We'll see. I I'm, I'm going bills all the way. Uh, what's bills mafia say bills by a million. Yeah. That's what, that's what I'm going with. Um, just because I'm going to let my fandom seep in here, but the NFC looks a little bit crazy to me too. I mean, there's only a couple of teams over there that I feel like are really yeah the, a the, challenge, the Packers right? and the Saints are kind of like the cream of the crop but I'd look out for the Bucks you know they're they're they got their buy in there and they've they've had a lot of different personalities and a lot of different personalities that were then that have been hurt so if they get healthy with the leadership of Tom Brady um I would watch out for the Bucks yeah I mean I I'm looking at just kind of perusing the standings while we talk and you know the NFC West outside of a Hail Mary the Bills have kind of owned that and the Bills we don't even know if they're the best team right um and then you're just kind of scanning through and Green Bay looks to me I like Aaron Rodgers personally yeah. he's really good and then the Saints just keep winning. It doesn't matter who they put in at quarterback. So yeah, I think that's it, the big difference between those two right now is the the you know Breeze is out and Aaron Rodgers is still doing his thing. Yeah, so I don't know. Maybe the Giants spark up, win the division, and shock some people. But um, we'll see what happens. Alex Smith, though, what a what great a story. story! Yeah, what a great story. We don't have time to get into him tonight, yeah. but uh, he's been pretty inspirational as well. So yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Hopefully, these playoffs are going to be exciting. Uh, but let's not waste any more time. Let's get Sal in here and talk let's to Sal. Let's go. Let's do it, Coach. All right, we're going to take a little break, and then we'll be back with Sal Capaccio. Hey Hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com, spelled A-R-Y-S-E, and use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E.com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. Two, one, let's go. All right, guys, we're back with Beyond the Ball, Coach Justin Gerstung and Eric Klump here, and we are super excited because uh, as being huge Bills, Buffalo Bills fans uh, and just sports fans in Western New York in general, we have Sal Capaccio on with us tonight who wears many hats in Western New York. Sal, how are you doing? Excellent, guys. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Sal, thanks for coming on and joining us in Beyond the Ball podcast. And many of us around the Western New York area know your voice as being the source of information for related to Buffalo Bills. But, uh, you know, from what I'm reading, you actually started out doing exactly what Justin and I do for a living, which is coaching and teaching. Um, and so can you just share with us how you ended up making your way from Syracuse down to Florida? Yeah, so it's actually, that's not quite true, but it, it kind of sounds like that. I actually started doing this. I was in radio and TV to start. I left the business to be in teaching and coaching, uh -huh. and then I went back into, the, this is this is my first love. Since I was a little kid, 
I'm doing what I wanted to do since I was a little kid. Am I, I mean, I think my first job I ever really wanted to do was I want to be a game show host, but then I realized <laughs> I could actually talk about sports for a living. And that was like, wow, that's, I can actually do this. Um, you know, and, and I learned in high school that Syracuse university was, you know, the place right. where all of these great broadcasters were coming out of, obviously Bob Costics, Dick Stockton, Mike Tirico, you know, and then you had even like Dick Clark rocking new year's Eve, you know, people like that who right. aren't even sports people, you know, and I wanted to be, in sports broadcasting. So that's why I went to Syracuse University. And then um, my first job out of college was down in Florida at a small radio station. A friend of mine from high school here, I, I grew up here. I went to Cleveland Hill in Chictawaga. A friend of mine, his cousin was running a small radio station down there and said, hey, and I'd, I'd gotten, I'd known his cousin a little bit. And he said, you know, give my cousin a call if you're looking for a job, you know, he might have something. So I did. And I went down there because they said, hey, we'll put you on the radio here, you know, but you have to do sales as well. Because, you know, that's what you have to do at small stations. Everybody's got to sell right. a little bit. And I said, okay, well, you know, nobody else has offered me a job and my friends don't have jobs. So I, I moved down to Florida. I started the small radio station. Um, I was doing a, a, a little sports talk show on a new sports station. And this town I lived in, Englewood, Florida, a little south of Sarasota, uh, there's, an, there's a, a joke that says, retired people move to Florida. Retired people's parents move to this town. That's how old it is. And um, it really was. And, you know, and I was kind of bored. I was trying to do my thing. We actually did a little, we actually did play-by-play of Little League baseball games. It was wow. amazing. It was awesome because all the grandparents loved it and we'd sell the heck out of it. You know what I mean? Right. Um, for commercials from all the mom and pop businesses that moms and dads owned and stuff like that. Right. So after a few years though, um, and, and, you know, I was down there and it was, it was kind of boring, if you will. I was, I was bartending on the side and I needed something to fulfill my life a little bit too. So I started coaching. I was coaching baseball. I was coaching football, Pop Warner. I was an athlete growing up. I was a three-sport athlete here. I was a Connolly Cup nominee in Buffalo, you know, for, nice. for football. I was a all-area football and baseball player, you know. So, I, I mean, I, I always loved sports and wanted to be in sports. Um, so I started coaching a little bit. And what happened was the local high school coach, um, I took a, a clinic one day, uh, took, they were running the wing tee and I, I took a wing tee clinic and I learned how to run the wing tee. And he, he comes to me after and he goes, you know, you really got a passion. You know, you were very attentive. You know what you're doing. You don't have any kids. You're in it for the right reason. Would you like to join my high school staff? Oh, so wow. I, I did. And after, you know, down there in Florida, they have, they have um, spring ball like they do in college. Yeah. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And after one spring, I said, you know what? I don't know if, you know, when you're young, you think you're going to be, at, uh, I thought I was going to be on ESPN within two or three years, right? I mean, right, that's what everybody right. thinks. And I'm like, man, I'm not advancing the way I want to. It's not going. I'm still kind of, where, where am I going in my radio career? You know, maybe this is what I want to do. So I left. I decided to become a teacher. I said, I, you know what? Maybe this is what I want to do. This is my passion. I love being around these kids. I love coaching. Maybe I, I thought, maybe I want to be a college football coach someday. So I went to the University of South Florida, got certified to teach, got hired to be a teacher. I taught social studies and uh, kids with disabilities, ESE, they call it. Um, I was right. out in the behavioral unit of a couple of years where the kids are away from the population because there's some things going on where you don't want right. them in there and, uh, you know, got to handle some things. So that's what I did. And that's how I left the business for a while until I, um, I coached and then I coached high school football, track and field, baseball, and um, eventually got back in and, and, and moved to Buffalo, which is a whole nother story. But that's basically what happened. Yeah, you're speaking my language. Eric and I, obviously, both teachers uh, and coaches, but my wife, also a teacher. So I teach social studies as well. Um, and my wife does the, the special ed side of it. So you're speaking my language there. Sal, what, do, what was your impression? Because some of our other guests, uh, Ken Stoll, who you might know, is from Section yeah, Six Football. Yeah. His son's down coaching at Palmetto, wow. which is outside of Tampa right now. Yeah. He's the OC down there, and so I'm just wondering your take because I get a little bit of the inside scoop working with Kenny about the differences between football up here and football yeah. down there. What's your just general impression of the differences? It's a different world. I mean, it's a it's a different universe. It's completely different. You know, when I grew up here in Buffalo, we had eight games. Now I think there's even seven, and there's a debate should they go to eight and all that. You go down there. I'll give you one example. So basically, you have a ten game regular season. You have also another kickoff classic game, and you have a bye week. <laughs> you know, I yeah. mean, <laughs> and then and then you have playoffs after that, right? Which is incredible. Like the the difference is this, guys. You know, in yeah, it is the lifeblood of things down there. High school football is everything. It, it there are so many 
college players and even NFL players that come out of Florida because it's year round. They have spring football for a month. It's all the rising. You know, if you're a freshman, sophomore, junior, you play spring ball for a month to get ready for the next year. You play in the month of May. At the end, you have a game just like college. Then it's weightlifting and weight training and running and all that for a summer. And then you're back at it in the regular season. But, you know, it's such an important deal that coaches down there down up here you know you guys you coach and you teach that's what people do up here and you know right. if, if you're not if your team doesn't do well it's not a big deal you're as long as you're doing the right thing by kids and you're teaching and all that if you lose down there you get fired i mean you just get fired the mm-hmm. people that you, they're not going to have that because you need to win to sell tickets just like in college it's it's a different world and and i've i've seen it firsthand but the athletes are amazing i learned so much coaching football from the people I coached with and the people I was around that it helps me so much now for my job as a reporter right. around an NFL team. Right. Oh man. So great. So sale, um, was there a moment in time where you felt like a, that you could put your finger on and share with us? Like when you felt like, okay, I, I really got to chase my passion. Like you, you talked about earlier being a broadcaster and being on the sidelines. Was there a moment in time when you were in Florida where you just kind of like um, sat back and said, you know, I got, I got to make the move. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think when I was teaching um, for the first few years, you know, it was like, okay, this is cool. I'm teaching and coaching. And as you guys know, you ride the wave. Sometimes you're good. Sometimes you're not. It's high school, right? I mean, you get kids right. in and out. Mm-hmm. We were really good for a few years and it was awesome. And, you know, we'd made the playoffs, gone up and we played Tampa Jefferson one year who had like eight D1 players and we had one and we, we want, we lost by a touchdown. Like we were a good team, you know, and, and we're going right. to the playoffs. And then, and then things started to dip and we weren't that good. And going to the teaching started to become a little bit different. Some of the rules about, you know, classroom stuff. And it was just more of a little, a little bit more of a grind as a teacher. And then when you're also going to practice every day and the kids are a little bit different, you're losing and it becomes a little bit different. You just, your mentality, you know, you, you, you kind of don't have that same passion for it. Right. And, and I think there was a time probably around maybe, oh, Four oh five oh six, where that kind of started to happen a little bit for me, um, where maybe a little bit later, where I was like, you know, I, I like this a lot. Is it truly my passion? And one of the things I, I remember was I would always be kind of driving in and still so connected to Buffalo sports that I kept thinking to myself, boy, I wish I was on the radio in Buffalo talking about sports. You know, this is what I really wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I really wanted to be doing that for a living. And, and I say this all the time, you know, I really liked, I loved it. I loved teaching. I love coaching. It wasn't my true passion though. This is my true passion. And what happened was we had a, I had a coach I worked for who was amazing and he was a really great coach, but he had gone through some personal things in his life and he wasn't as attached to coaching as he had been. And the, the program started to fall apart a little bit. It wasn't the same. It wasn't as fun going. And then there were some other assistant coaches that started coming aboard. I think you guys would appreciate this story, which is I started basically working with some people who I didn't felt should be around kids and coaches. Mm -hmm. They weren't there for the right reason. Um, I didn't feel like I was a part of a good enough, uh, uh, the right kind of staff in that regard, if that makes sense. You know, you, you, these people, they, they wanted to be more friends to high school kids instead of being mentors to them, if that makes sense. And I didn't, I didn't enjoy that. And there was one particular coach that he talked back, he talked uh, behind other coaches' backs a lot. He would say stuff to kids about other coaches. You just don't do that. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you can't, you can't have that kind of stuff going on. And the way he swore a lot, a lot around the kids, you know, you know, maybe some people are into that. I'm not. I think that's just, you don't do that. You're wrong. You know, things like that were just going on. And I remember one day, um, I kept thinking to myself, you know, do I really want to do this? Do I really want to do this? And one day um, we were playing uh, we were we were playing a crosstown rival and before the game the kids loved for this guy to give the pregame speech because because he swore and he talked like a kid right, right. so we go into we go into the field house and he gives this pregame speech that i was just appalled some of the things he was saying to high school kids and i'm like i just can't be around this this is not me i don't feel comfortable here like i i i i need to do something else maybe i need to go somewhere else to coach maybe i need to leave the business and at that right around that same time um, WGR had made a, a change and they actually, um, they had an opening for a host. And I had, I had actually started doing some podcasting before anybody was podcasting. I was, I was right. podcasting like, Oh, eight before nobody, anybody knew what it was. It was just right. this weird stuff that popped up. And I was only doing it because it was for me a way to keep connected to doing this, you know, talking on the radio. And I, I said, okay, well I sent my stuff into WGR and they really liked me, but they, they didn't have a spot for me. They didn't hire me because they said, we don't have a full-time spot. Well, they told me, they said, if you ever really want to come up here, we'll hire you, but we don't have anything full time and you'd have to basically start from the bottom. Like really like start 
kind of like minimum wage, basically doing the grunt work. And here I am in my mid thirties. I'm like, mm-hmm. I can't really do that. Yeah. That'd be a big transition. Right. Well, guess what? Um, after all this happened, I, I said, you know what? Maybe it's time for me to do this. I, that is my passion in life. And, and if I never do it, I'll always regret not knowing. Right. And I right. got married in 03. My wife's from Germany. She came up to run the B- Buffalo half marathon one year and she loved the city after running yeah. the half marathon. And she, she said to me, I could live here. I'm like, okay, well, oh, nice. <laughs> if you really think that, yeah. and um, you have to think now, guys, we were two parents, we were, we were two, we had double income, two adults, but no kids yet. Right. Making a good living. Both of us, my life, wife has a career. She's a substance abuse counselor working in that field. I had my summers off teaching golfing twice a week. And I basically called the guy at WGR and I said, you told me if I ever wanted a job, you'd hire me. And he goes, look, if you want to do that, that's fine. But you know, I I don't have anything. You're gonna have to start at the bottom. And I did at the age of 37, I literally packed up everything, quit my job, moved to Buffalo, New York to start at the very bottom, took about a 75% pay cut across the board with my wife to start over in radio. Mm. Man, that is, uh, it just gave me goosebumps, Sal, because I think part of um part of reason the reason why we're doing this podcast is to which i pre- i just so love the fact that you were doing podcasting 12 years ago um and i'm sure it's changed a lot since oh, yeah. then but just well, i was even getting the- made fun of I, people would listen and go what's this a podcast you're, you're a guy in some you're in your basement somewhere asking for mom's meatloaf that's what podcasting <laughs> right. was back then and now where did they, did they now it's to the it cool online? thing to do was it apple podcast out no, was so, spotify out so here here's what it was there was this there was this guy, I, I just happened to read online, like this new form of media called podcasting. And there right. was this guy, I remember his name was Sam Kooten. And he lived in California and he started this network called mysportsradio.com. It was over the internet. And okay. he wanted to build like a brand, like, you know, like you guys are doing with, with your, your, your ball pod, beyond the ball podcast with, you know, different people in different markets. And mm-hmm. he said, and it said, basically, if you're, if you have a passion for an NFL team and you want to be a part of this. So I emailed him and I'm like, Hey, I'm, I did radio. I like the Buffalo Bills. Yeah. And I did a podcast called the Buffalo Stampede. And I did it on my yeah. own. And I had this little podcast software I did. And then that turned into a video cast that I was actually on video for and did once a week. I did post-game shows and people started tuning in. And then I think you guys probably remember this. I don't know, but I got a big break because I actually got a tip that the Bills were signing Terrell Owens. And I broke that story nationally. Like I'm credited oh, yeah. with breaking the TO signing nationally. Right. I'm some guy in Florida nobody heard of, right? Mm-hmm. But right. I got a tip that it would ha- was happening. And I put it out there, took a big risk because I didn't know if it was going to happen. And it happened. Right. And that got a ton of people to know who I was, which gave me a lot more credit. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I just, it's insane. I don't think Eric and I is, you know, we're going to call ourselves JV podcasters here. I don't think we're looking for anything like that. But yeah, what an incredible story. I think, um, Sal, the part that I love about that the most that I think is kind of our mission here with this podcast is just having that fearless um, mentality to pursue your dream. Um, Because I know a lot of people and Eric and I both being in our forties now are, are in that same boat where you get kind of, maybe sometimes can get stuck in a rut or in a grind and you're, you're afraid to take that leap, which I think that's just truly tremendous. I mean, we love what you do with the bills, obviously. So it worked out what, when, when coming back to Buffalo, um, obviously you had an uphill climb in terms of work. How did that go, you know, with your yeah. wife and settling back into the community? Was that pretty seamless or? How yeah, there was two parts. Of it. First of all, let me tell you, it was not fearless at all. You, you use that word. I was scared out of my wits yeah. to do this. I, right. I, I mean, I mean, you have to remember again, like I said, I mean, between my wife and I, we were making really good money and we didn't have any kids and we were living a life. We were traveling yeah. all the time and like we both just had to go all the way to the bottom in our thirties. You know, she's, she's seven years younger than me. I was 37. She was 30. And we like both had to go right to the bottom and start over. And you know, it was, it was very scary, but I always tell people the fear was way worse than what the actual thing was. You know what I mean? Like, like fearing what, and I said to her, I always said to her, what's the worst that can happen? We're both college educated. If, if we go up there and I suck on the radio or you can't find a job, we'll come back. We'll teach. We'll go back to right. our jobs. And I, and actually to this day, we still own our house down there. We rent it out, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we never did that, gave it up. So, so that the fear though, it was very, I was very fearful, believe me. But yeah. what happened was, um, incredibly like, so she's like, okay, we're going to do this. She came up before me because she found a job and I had to stay down there, wrap everything up. She lived with some friends of ours for a month. Um, I drove up there myself about a month later. We rent a, we rent a place. We said, let's not buy yet. Let's make sure this is going to go. Okay. 
So we rented a place in the city. We went to, after living where I was living, we said, we're living in the city near people. <laughs> All right? right. So near younger people. So, um, you know, we, we rented a house in the city, an apartment and, um, it started going well, but what happened was amazingly, this is, this is even more amazing part of the story. After I called the program director, his name is Andy Roth and said, I'm going to do this. I'm going to drop everything. I'm going to come up. He said, okay, I'm living in Florida and I'm not kidding you guys. Before I moved, I read program director at Buffalo, New York. Andy Roth is moving to Cleveland before I get there. He is now, he runs the fan in Cleveland. And, and I'm like, I was, I, I'd already quit my job. I'm ready to come to Buffalo. I call him. I'm like, oh my God, what's going on? He goes, yeah, I'm not going to be here when you get up here. I'm like, what do you mean? You're, you just hired me. He goes, yeah, I told them you're coming. And here's who you have to see. I didn't, I knew nobody. Like right, I didn't right. know anybody. And I had to walk in the building completely cold. Like, wow, what's going on? But it was a blessing in disguise because what happened was I get there and they're like, okay, like they, they're kind of like, they don't have a program director at the time. So they're, 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 they're moving some parts They're interviewing people. And if Andy had stayed, which he's great. And I thank him so much, but if he had stayed, I would have really started like as a producer and doing all these, you know, working the board while Andy's gone, they hire a new guy. He comes in and he's like, I like this Sal guy. I'm going to start putting him on air. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And he starts yeah. getting, and, and then, and then six months later, we get the rights to the bills. Right. And I mean, yeah. I'm just happy to be right place, right time. And they're like, oh, we're going to put you on Bill's broadcast. And I started doing halftime stuff. Murph, I, I got, I really got to know Murph well. He asked, you know, he wanted me in the booth with him to do some stuff. And then from there, Joe Biscali was there. And then he went to Channel 7 and I got the sideline job. So, yeah. And then as far as the um, just settling in personally, of totally seamless. I mean, you know, Buffalo is a kind of town where you feel like you never left when you come back. Right. right. I mean, I, I, yeah, I, 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 I grew up you just miss yeah. it. Yeah, that's right. I grew up at Cheektowog. I, I worked at Tony's pizza on Harlem road. Right. And you know, it's still there. And, um, I, I, I live now in the city, but it was never, it, it was everything. The only, the only thing that changed was how much the city had grown and, you know, all the, the, the Renaissance basically of the city since I had been gone. Uh, because that's when it really started to come to fruition. It's not it, it. It took a few more years, but it was really starting back then. But it was a seamless transition, personally. So, at your time in Florida, Sal, um, did you ever start to say, you know, maybe I should start following the Bucks or following the Jags and get into the radio down here, or did you not want to do that? Oh, I did that. I mean, when I was in radio, like, well, first of all, I say before I went back into teaching, that was part of my job, like. Because we, I worked at a station that carried the Bucks, I, oh, okay. and, and we also carried Florida State. Um, so I was working the board for that stuff. Um, we had we were a, a Tampa Bay Rays affiliate, so I went up to a bunch of Rays games. I didn't, I wasn't working the broadcast. You know what I mean? I wasn't on their radio station, but our station carried them, so we'd have to talk about them a lot. You know, we would, we would, you know, in, in that sense, kind of cover them. You know, I wasn't going to games necessarily, but you know, as far as being really embedded with them, I was still. I was a good hour and a half south of Tampa, you know, so it wasn't like I was right there for those teams where I mm -hmm. lived. Everybody was fans of different teams, a very transplant area. Right. But then when I decided to get back in radio, yes, I did. I actually contacted the uh, affiliate, the main flagship station of the Buccaneers and said, hey, you know, do you guys have any openings, whatever? And, you know, there were some things I thought about doing. And then to be honest with you, I actually uh, one of the things one of the ways I got into TV was uh, as I do TV now is there was a Sarasota like a little like um a not a community like a, a cable a cable channel a cable access channel it wasn't like a network you know what I mean and yeah. there was a guy an older guy from Buffalo actually ironically who had who had done like sales of hockey gear in Buffalo and then he was with Nike and then he made money and he bought he bought a TV station and he actually did his own sports television show um, you remember you guys remember like Budweiser Sports Line with Paul McGuire oh, yeah. it was kind of like that but it was in Sarasota okay and okay. Um, and he basically. Um, he reached out to me. He's like, Hey, you know, uh, I saw some of your work, you know, do you ever want to come up here and be a guest on my show? And I did. And then he basically let me start hosting the show kind of after a few years. And, um, it was every Thursday night after a couple of years. So I, that was a very big, like bucks, heavy show and Rays heavy show. So I would talk about the teams a lot, but that's also how I got involved um, in TV, which was, you know, someone just basically saying be on my show. And then he really liked me and he invited me up a lot. So that's, that's incredible. I think, um, as we look at kind of your profile, right, of all the stuff you do now, too, you are in the booth with Murph or on the sidelines as part of that crew. You're on WGR. We, Coach and I have actually met you a couple of times casually at some high school events for, like, Western New York basketball and things of that nature. Um, what's it been like kind of uh, – I don't know if this is the proper way to say it, so forgive me if I'm saying this wrong, but maybe expanding your, your brand because you're kind of – got your hand in a lot of uh, different stuff. 
what has that process been like for you? Just kind of soliciting that work or are people coming to seek you out to get you to host stuff? What's that process been it's, like? It's a little bit of both. Um, you know, I get a lot of requests to do things like this, first of all. You know, I try never to say no if I can't. If I can, if I can, I always try to because I try to help people because I remember myself reaching out to people. Right. You know what I mean? And right. so I, I do things like this. But, you know, I, I think that I have a reputation of a guy who's always hustling. So, you know, it makes it easier for someone to say, hey, are you interested in doing this? You know, and th- they're, they know that, you know, if I can, if I can make time, I will. You know, stuff like, but it's always relationships. You know, Josh Reed of Channel 4. You know, he, he gets the sports director's job a few years ago and he comes to me and he goes, hey, you know, we, we became friends. He's like, we got, we, we should probably do some stuff together. If you want to come on our station, we can promote you, blah, blah, blah. And that's how that relationship started. It's basically just like that. But at the same time, like, um, you know, I, I do work for Entercom Radio. You know, I don't work for, I, I don't work for the Bills in case people thought I did. I work for Entercom Radio, right. but we have their rights. So I go on their sidelines, but the Bills, if they didn't want me there, they, it would, <laughs> I wouldn't be there, obviously. Right, um, right. But, you know, I don't work for a TV station. I don't work for another radio station. So, you know, I have to understand and always be mindful of that's my employer. That's my job. That's what I do. Um, and But Entercom is very good. WGR loves the fact that I go on TV because it gives them publicity. Here's Sal right. from WGR. Um, I do Spectrum News. I do play-by-play of high school sports, as you guys know yeah. still. You know, I do football. I do basketball. I do college. I did. Yeah, I do ESPN Plus for UB stuff or right. um, St. Bonaventure. And those are the kinds of things. Once you, once you just start making connections, people come to you and they say, can you do this? Can you do that? And, you know, it, I think it's – again, I, I think it helps that I just basically have – I'm kind of known as a guy, I think, that it, that's hustling, hustles and is willing to and is not going to say, no, I don't have time for you. So as yeah. a young kid, did you, you know, turn the TV down and do the old Van Miller and Rick Jenneret on some hockey calls and some football calls? How did that go? 100%. I did that. I mean, I was literally doing that, um, watching it when I was in probably when I was maybe uh, 10, 11, 12 years old. I mean, it wasn't even in high school yet. I was doing stuff like that, pretending I was Van Miller, pretending I was Rick Jenneret, Ted Darling at the time, you know, calling Sabres games. That's Those were my idols. Rick Azar on Channel 7. You know, I loved Rick Azar growing up. I loved Ed, Ed Kilgore growing up. The sports casters. You know, um, where the guys, there, a lot of them I looked up to. I, I, I looked so much up to John Murphy, and now here I am working with him, right, mm-hmm. which is amazing. I did that. But the other thing I did was I called <laughs> I called sports talk radio stations a lot, and I used to call okay. Art Wander all the time. Oh, and nice. I was – I used to – I remember saying to somebody when I was younger, I know I'm already old because I listen to AM radio all the time. Like I say that. Right. Like, right. And, and I remember I'd be going places with my dad and – um, you know, go shopping or something, my mom and dad. And I'd say, I'm going to stay in the car. I want to listen to what they have to say about the bills, you know, and I'm, right. I'm a high school yeah. kid, you know, and I'm not, yeah. I'm not doing because I don't want to beat my parents or go shopping. I'm, I'm dialed in here, man. I'm listening. What's right. going on. And, um, so I used to call Art Wander and he actually wrote me a letter of recommendation to Syracuse. Cause I called him one time and said, Hey, I'd like to talk to you something off the air. He said, okay. And I called him back off the air and I said, Hey, I want to do what you do. And he did that. But when I called, I'm not kidding you guys. I would actually put a cassette tape in. I would record my call and then I would air check myself after to see how I sounded on the radio. Right. Yeah. Oh man, that's, that's impressive. I was just saying to my son today, cause he asked me, my son is 12 and he goes, dad, do you got a show? Do you have a show tonight? And I said, yeah, I have a show. And he goes, I was just listening to it on your phone. Like one of the past episodes. And I said, Oh, turn that off. I hate the sound ah. of my voice. So you probably had to deal with that sure. you got that that fear out of your system right away it sounds like well look, i mean guys but here's the thing like i think everybody you know to get in this business i think you can't have a fear of of being in front of a mic or a camera obviously right i right. mean that's that's one right. thing and i mean I, i've been an entertainer like this my dad was a singer um okay. he, he made a record he had a band in buffalo um you know that he made a record um when i was younger when i was in sixth grade i was pinocchio when i was in a senior in high school i was conrad birdie and bye bye birdie Okay. Um, I used to I used to run from baseball practice to theater practice with my uniform and eye black on, basically. Um, right. You know, I mean, like, so I, I've always been a guy who is willing to be up in front and even even sought it out. Like, I mean, not to sound, but but I think you have to have kind of a little bit of that attitude or or um, personality to be in this business, where not only do you are you are you not afraid of the stage. I think you have to be willing and, and able to you want you want it sometimes. You know what right. I mean? And and that's just the people in our business. I think a lot of times that's who we are. Yeah, you just got to put yourself out there, I Correct. think. Um, so just to kind of put a, a bow on this kind of topic. So if we have, because we have some kids that 
listen that are totally into sports, but maybe not athletically inclined to play professionally. Um, what would be some of the advice? And I feel like you maybe already gave some of these key points, but if they wanted to get into sports broadcasting or sports journalism, what would be like maybe two or three things that you would suggest to them if they were listening? Well, then there's number one. Number one is be versatile, be well-rounded. Don't think that getting into sports broadcasting means just that you'll talk on the radio or that you'll just be on TV or that you'll just write something or whatever. It's all inclusive now. When I was growing up, that was not the case. Either you became a radio person or a TV person or a newspaper person, basically. I mean, that's what it was. But as as the industry has transformed, we all have to do everything. We all have to wear a lot of hats. I, you are not going to get hired by any company if you can't do all of this, all of those things. But here's the thing. I say this to kids all the time. I, I speak to a lot of kids about this stuff. And, and one of the things I try to have remind them is don't be afraid of that. Like you don't have to be great at everything. You just have to be able to do it. You just have to know it, right. you know, be okay with right. it. You don't have to be the best at every one of those things, but you know, try to try to make sure that you are getting reps in all of those areas. So if you can, one of the things, look at all of the different blogs that are out there. Like go ask to write for somebody. Say you'll do a right. column a week on the Sabres or the Bills or sports and just get some reps, write, have people read your stuff. If you want to do, if you want to do play-by-play, take a microphone and a recorder, like your phone basically. Take your phone these days, right. go to an actual game, a high school game, sit in the stands and record yourself doing it. Like you have to do that. Start a podcast, do stuff like that. You have mm-hmm. to be comfortable with reps. The, the, the thing about our business is your resume is not on paper. It's not like you, I cannot tell you how many people, how many, how many people I went to Syracuse university with who wanted to do this for a living, who are no longer doing it. Hundreds of them. You know why? Because they thought they'd go to Syracuse, get a piece of paper that said they had a good grade point average and get a job. That's not how it works in this business. You have to get involved. Your resume is your voice, your writing, your presence on camera. Like you can't just send a piece of paper to a TV station and say, Hey, look, I graduated from whatever school, whether it's Syracuse or Buff State or Fredonia or whatever, they're going to say, I really don't care. How do you sound and look? Yeah. And I think that probably is the same if I'm tying it back into athletics, right? With a a football player or basketball player, you you might, you might be able to throw the height and the weight onto the, uh, right. onto the paper, onto the roster, but you got to go perform, you know, and before we maybe jump into a different topic, I, I, the guy that pops into my mind is Cole Beasley, right? Yeah. If you look at Cole, man, he is like the tiniest dude ever. Yeah. Um, and he just goes out there and tears it up. He just tears it up. Yeah, so and, I and, and, and I would say this as, a, as another piece of advice, like just be around it and don't think you're above anything. Like if you have to, it's okay to be an intern and go somewhere and get somebody coffee every morning, because you know why you're learning by watching, you're learning by being around, you're learning by listening and you're making contacts and those people will remember you. They'll remember those people, you know, it just be around it in the industry in some way, shape or form. Then when you get an opportunity, take that. I I tell people, I tell kids all the time. I did, I did one of these, um, kid needed to interview me for his high school class or something. And he asked me about, he said, how did you deal with not being around your family when you were a kid? And I could tell he was asking because I think he was scared of it. And I said, man, you, you can't be like, if, if you get a job in Des Moines, Iowa, covering high school softball, you have to take it. Like that's what right. you do in this business. And then your next job, it might be covering high school football in Texas, which is a big deal. Then your next job might be covering Texas A&M football. Like that's the progression. You have to be willing to go wherever, wherever right. the job is going to take you. So, Sal, as you as you came back to Buffalo, how hard was it for you? And now being a little the, the voice, you know, with you and John being uh, the voice and the information coming out with the bills, uh, how hard has it been to like find balance between like being an employee and covering your favorite team as a fan? Also, yeah, it's interesting. Um, you know, we're we're taught in this business you got to be objective, right? You got to be objective. <laughs> you can't root. And my my response to that is, well, you can still. You can still root, but be objective. See, I, I grew up in Buffalo. That will never go away. I want Buffalo sports to succeed. That does right. not mean that I can't be critical or objective of the team that I'm covering. You know, I, I, those are two separate things to me. Mike Greenberg, who's on ESPN, makes no bones about the fact that he's a Jets fan. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Like, it's part of his shtick. It's okay. And I think I've always – I've embraced the role of – I'm one of you. I'm from here. I grew up during the Super Bowl years taking a Greyhound bus back from Syracuse University to go to the games. Like right. when, when this team, like I, I can, I can, 
I can go through the highs and the lows with my listeners and with my social media followers. It doesn't mean I can't give you proper information. If, if someone thinks that my, my sideline, my sideline injury report is compromised simply because I grew up a bills fan. Well then so be it. But I think that's dumb. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like it doesn't change the fact that I'm giving you information. So I think to balance it out, like you do have to, you do have to understand that you have a job to do and you have to keep it on the job. But at the same time, man, I will, I will tell you, like, I want nothing more than to, to, for this city to win a championship with the Bills, the Sabres, everyone. And I'd love to be able to cover that and be a part of it because it's where I grew up and what I love. Yeah. I mean, Sal, we, Eric and I definitely follow on social media and we see your passion for all sports. You know, you, you tweet out about going to Sabres games and different venues, the Bisons and whatnot. And so Finding that balance is definitely key, I think. One of the things that I was interested about, because Eric and I, you know, we are small high school coaches, but we have had the awesome opportunity to coach a couple of athletes that have gone professional. Nice. Um, You know, and what we've kind of encountered and one of the topics we wanted to get into with you was, you know, this idea that these professional athletes are like somehow superheroes, you know, and, and yes, they are, they're doing stuff that the normal human maybe can't do, but ultimately they're just average people. Have you found, because we have that experience with our former athletes. Um, have you found that that's been a gradual thing for you? Did you kind of adjust to that naturally? What was it like early on walking into a locker room? Cause even not now I get excited, hmm. you know, when I see like a Buffalo bill in the parking lot or something like that. And I'm a 40 year old man. So I, I just feel like the balance in there could be a little bit tough. How has that been for you? You know, um, it's, it, it was never an issue for me. And I'll tell you why, because I think as I grew up and the things that I did and the people I was around, um, you know, I, I, when I was in Florida, especially I got to kind of Florida's, you know, Sarasota, the, all these athletes retire there. Like suddenly I did a show with Tim McCarver one time, you know, and, um, oh, I yeah. go, I, I go on a, there's a funny story. I go, uh, during the Yankees, Phillies 09 world series, we go out to eat after one of the shows and there's Jerry Springer sitting there having a salad at the bar. I'm like, <laughs> Hey Jerry, what's up? Like, I, I just, I kind of got to be around people like that. And you know, the, yes, I, did I love Andre Reed and Thurman Thomas and all of those players growing up? Of course I did. They were my idols. But by the time I got back to Buffalo, I'd been kind of in the business and around it where, you know, it was not an issue like going into a locker room and seeing them and talking to them. You know who they are. You know what they represent. But you also know that they're just people because in all walks of life, I've met those kinds of people. And I understand that, you know, retire- I, mean, I did an interview with um, Archie Griffin one time, just standing there talking to him about, you know, winning two Heisman trophies. And, you know, you just kind of understand that. It's the same thing. It's weird because I do interviews with, with younger people and they'll say to me like, wow, like, I can't believe I'm talking to you. I'm like, dude, I'm just a regular guy with a cool job. Right. That's all I am. Right. You know what I mean? Like it, awesome. it's weird for me, for people to, to view, and I'm not comparing myself to the, the superstar athlete at all, but you know, I think we all kind of hold certain people in regard like that, but that's, ne- that's never really been an issue for me. What is cool for me, very cool now is. Like I'll brag, I'll say it. Like I can't believe that like Thurman Thomas is a good friend of mine, right? I mean, like, come on. I work with Steve Tasker. Are you kidding me? Like, pinch me. Are you uh, Thurman and I? Thurman will text me during games. Like, I mean, what's going? (laughs) He'll like they need to run the ball more. Okay, all right, buddy. Thank you. (laughs) Oh man, that's so great. So we've had the pleasure of bringing a lot of different coaches on and them sharing um, some great information with us. And they always get back to the word culture and having standards over rules. And and it and seems since the hire of Sean McDermott, a lot has been publicized about his commitment to the culture, you know, trusting the process. Could you feel that changing, you know, from the Doug Marones and the Rex Ryans since you've been there? Could you kind of feel it happening? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, You know, I think the minute that um, I'll give you a great example, and it's a small one, but it goes a long way. So I'm on Rex Ryan's sideline, his airplane in his hotel, everything for two years. Right. I don't think Rex Ryan knew my name. Okay. Um, They hire Sean McDermott. I go to the combine a month later. I get introduced to Sean McDermott. Hey, here's your sideline reporter, Sal Capaccio. Hi, Sean. How are you? Literally talk with him for five minutes. Um, maybe an hour later, I see him in the hotel lobby and he comes up. He goes, hey, Sal, how are you, man? I said, good. And he comes up to me, starts chatting with me like he knew me. 
he'd already taken an interest in me. Like that's Sean. He's a people person. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I told that story to his wife one time and she said to me, people matter to Sean. That's what it's about for him. And this was when he had just gotten hired. Right. And, and I'm like, okay. And I could see that and I could feel that right away. And then, you know, they went through, they had Whaley there, obviously they hire Brandon Bean and you could see these guys are both like that. Brandon Bean is very similar. They have the same kind of mindset. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. I, and look, every coach has its own, their own culture. There's no doubt. And I hate, you know, we have this bit debate on WGR about the word all the time, but what I would try to always tell people is there's no right or wrong culture. Everybody has their own culture. You can, you can have one that's completely different than somebody else. It doesn't make it right or wrong. It's just what yours is. It's mm -hmm. what, what matters is do people buy into it altogether? That's what matters. Rex Ryan's culture was have fun and I don't care what you do, but when you show up for football practice, be ready to play. Right. Sean McDermott's culture is we need to be doing everything at all times the right way because that will get us to have a great practice that day. And, and, and there's a difference in that. Yeah, I think listening to you guys on WGR, and I just love the conversations you guys have, um, talking about the culture thing, I think because a lot of people say, oh, you just get the best players and instantaneously you win and you have good culture. And I think coaching in high school, um, I think the, the, I can probably find some evidence to argue against that um, only personally. And like you said, everybody has their own culture, but very rarely does coach Klump, Eric and myself have the best player in the league. Um, but I would right. venture to guess every year we have a culture that's really positive positive. and our kids come back and see us and, you know, text us at their 10 year re reunion and want to get back together. So I don't think it's necessarily just about having the talent, but I think, they work hand in hand for sure. If you have good culture and good players, um, which I think is where we're at right now with the bills, you start to see the success and the results. Right. And I think that one of the things that gets kind of misconstrued is, Oh, they always talk about their culture, but then they took someone who got arrested. No, that's okay. Right. Like, like that. It's not about having angels. It's not about having perfect people, but you build, you, you, you build something that you feel comfortable about bringing that person into your culture where they'll be okay. And if they have issues, you can deal with them and you have strong enough people to be able to help them basically. Right. I mean, so it's not that you right. shun those people. It's actually, in a lot of ways you embrace them and you say, will be the right spot for you because what we have built in our culture here. And I think people don't realize how that can work sometimes, but it takes a little while. I don't, I don't think in 2017, the Buffalo bills were ready to, you know, bring maybe those certain types of people into their locker room. I think they are in 2020 because now the expectations for four years, all the leaders know exactly what's expected of everybody and they can insulate that person and right. help that person. Right. And I think if, you know, you talked earlier in the, in the pod about, you know, you being a coach and being there to mentor athletes, I think there's this misconception that, you know, at the pro level, they come in and they're pro athletes and they just do their job and you don't really have to mentor them. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that conversation either, because the development of our Buffalo Bills has just been tremendous under these coaches. I think mentorship goes on at every single level. Would you agree with that? hundred percent, especially, I think, I, th I think especially today and today's athlete, um, you know, there's there's a lot going on in their lives. You know, they have a lot more, uh, I think, probably distractions and ways to communicate and people and hang and people coming at them and positive and negative and social media and all that. And I think they need, you know, positive people around them, people to lean on. I think I think one of the areas we've really advanced and I think we still have a long way to go, though, is the mental health aspect of everyone and especially yeah, athletes. And I, and I think that, um, you know, someone and I don't know, I think some organizations have this now, but I won't be surprised in whatever years that every single professional sports organization has an actual mental health coach on their staff. I, I think you need one because it's, it's important for everybody. It's important for me. It's important for all of us to have people around like that. And, and that's part of the player development process. I think in, you know, the bills under Sean McDermott, I think they believe in all of that, the mind and the body and everything. Look at, you know, the way that they've treated, you know, they've had a, they've done a great job with injuries and things. And sure, some of it's luck, but I don't believe all of it is. I think right. that they, they have a great communication between each other on how to go about it for each specific person and the mentality of it, what they're supposed to do and get through it. And then there's the mental aspect of it. So yeah, the player development is very big. And, you know, it, again, I'll go back to the Rex Ryan. I, I think Rex is a great example to use of like the opposite of Sean McDermott. Rex Ryan and his staff, their philosophy when, from my observations was, Hey, we're going to get a lot of good players and we're going to coach them up. And, you know, if, if, 
if they don't do their job, you know, we're going to lose, but we're going to have enough players and they're going to be good and we're going to win. Sean McDermott's philosophy is we're going to coach 90 guys and they're all going to be coached the same because all of them have to actually, and I mean training camp, right? Because all of them actually have to like play for us and help us. It is not about just the the six or seven best players in the roster. And if they're good enough, they're good enough. They're not, they're not. We're going to coach every single person the same, no matter who they are when they walk in this door. And it doesn't matter if you're Tredavious White or Dane Jackson as a rookie, because at some point Dane Jackson's going to have to help us win football games. So we're not going to treat him any differently in that regard. Yeah. And I think their approach to doing that, um, like Coach McDermott has allowed everybody to get on the bus, like, you know, that Nick Saban um, little clip about getting everybody on the bus. And it seems by coaching every player that he comes across and and being personable to them and knowing that he cares about them, uh, he's got everybody on the bus. 100%. Yeah. And, um, it's, it's funny. That was uh, that was a saying Rex actually used one time. He said, the bus waits for no one unless you're really good. He actually said that once. I heard him say <laughs> that. And, and like, it's funny, right? But it just goes to show you his philosophy. Like, yeah, if you're really good, like you're, you're, you're different and you're treated different. And I get it. Like, you still need great players. No one's going to say that the Bills don't want right. great players or they don't think, you know, if something – if they have to choose between a great player or a player who's not, you know, of all things being equal, we know which direction that's going. But you guys get the point, and it mm-hmm. does matter. Um, player development is a very, very big key of what the Bills have been able to do. And that's why I believe that they'll have sustained success because of that. Yeah, I mean, everything you guys have just said, I I can only echo it this way. My father, who's 62 years old, he's been a Bills fan forever, but never an athlete himself. We were talking about the game and I was going to ask you about Josh Allen. So maybe this will be our transition. I asked him if he watched the game uh, Monday night and he said, of course I did. And he said, I said, what'd you think of Josh Allen? And he said, the thing I like about Josh Allen, and this is my dad. He's never played sports before. He's watched my brother and I play, and that's about it. He said, he's so humble that he goes, it's always about the team and how I can get better. He goes, and if everybody on the team is even remotely like that guy, he goes, the bills are going to be good for a while. And so I think to the average casual fan, if that is standing out when Mm -hmm. you see interviews, um, I think obviously Sean, Sean's doing a phenomenal job with that. So um, I I just love that insight. And since I I did go there, um, you know, Eric and I being, you know, bills fans at the height of that Super Bowl run, you're, you as well. Um, what do you think? Is Josh Allen the guy? I mean, it oh, seems yes. like we haven't really had a guy Listen, since Jim Kelly. Is I, I that, can't is say that he's, I can't say he's not now after I wrote a column uh, back at the end of <laughs> September saying, stop the debate, end it right now. The Bills have found yeah, a franchise true. quarterback, right? I mean, I said that and yeah. I stick by it. I really do. I stick by it. I think Josh is a true franchise quarterback. I think the only question now is when you pay him and how you structure that and all those kinds of things. Sure. But those are questions for another day because, you know, he's he's going to finish up this season and um, he's he has a chance to break a lot of records this year. Uh, you know, he's, he's eighth. Um, he's eighth right now in all-time one-season passing yards. He's got twelve game, uh, He's got four games to go, uh, and he can yeah. he can wind up being number two probably, and maybe even number one an outside chance uh, that Bledsoe two thousand two year. But I I know that the game has changed. I get that, but you know I, I do. I think Josh is a franchise quarterback, and you know I, I think he has the potential to be really, really, really great. You know, he had that four game stretch with the Titans, Chiefs, Jets and Patriots. And you could hear the you could see the tweets and hear the uh, the haters uh, across social media like the I told you so. This is the real Josh Allen that, you know, his accuracy. And it was so good to see him just play so well on Monday night football in front of the national a national crowd and and to kind of like uh, put put an end to to those those comments. What do you think? Well, there's still some people, there's still some doubters. We had a good talk this morning in our uh, morning show. I was just in for Howard. Jeremy and I were talking about, we played the clip from Nick Wright, uh, who's basically been a Josh Allen hater for a while. You got some people online who still are like that. But, you know, I, I think those people just, um, there's, it, but there's two reasons. Number one, um, they just say things because it gets them attention. It gets them clicks right. and eyeballs and viewers. And, you know, that's what part of the business is. I get that. But then, of course, you still have your people that, they just don't want to admit that they've been wrong on him since the beginning. So they'll continue to dig their heels in and they'll find ways to tell you all the time that they're still not wrong. And even if Josh Allen were to, to hoist a Lombardi, they would still tell you it was because of the defense or the special teams or the receivers or whatever. And there's, there's, there's no winning on that and that's okay. And it's not going to impact Josh Allen or the way he plays. And that's all that matters. 
it just really keeps people entertained on Twitter, right? I mean, that's, yeah, right. that seems to be right. where all of the yeah. all of the the stuff happens. So, Sal, by the time this episode drops, we are going to probably be heading into the playoffs. And so I, I don't want to keep you too much longer. You've been a, a very gracious yeah, guest. Um, what do you think? Because we don't have all the playoff teams just yet as we're recording, but what do you think – in terms of the playoffs, any favorites that you like, any dark horses that you see? Um, well, let's see if we look at the, let me just kind of look at the, I, I still think, I think the Titans are a very, they can be very streaky. And if they, when they're playing their best, they're really, really tough to beat. Right. But I do think the chiefs are the best team. Still, they have the best quarterback. They're the, they're very, very well coached team in Andy Reid. Obviously, their defense is good enough. It doesn't have to be great. It's good enough. It's good. Um, they can make plays. Obviously, they have great receivers. I, I think Kansas City in the AFC is the best team. I still have some doubts about New Orleans. I know they have a really solid defense, and that's great. But when they go against a team, if they go against a team that really can put some points on the board, do they have an offense that can actually match them? I'm not really sure. Um, I Look, I, I give a lot of credit to the Cleveland Browns. They've had a phenomenal season. I don't know what position they'll be in when this thing drops. Right now, they're in a really good spot to make the playoffs, but they've also feasted on a, a lesser schedule, but good for them. I mean, that's you can only beat the teams that are on your schedule. I don't think the Miami Dolphins um, are any threat once if they do get to the playoffs. Rookie quarterback, they've won a lot of games on big defensive and special teams plays. They just don't have an offense to be able to do that. So, you know, I, I guess that that's kind of my best way to put all of that. But I, I think Kansas City, to me, is still the best team in the NFL probably. Yeah, we were talking before you came on in the intro. Um, actually, the athlete that I was speaking about actually plays for the Browns, um, JC Treader, who's yeah. a local kid. You probably know JC. NFL PA um, Press. And so I'm a, yeah. I'm, I'm a, I'm a second-rate Browns fan. Like Bill's obviously number one, but I'm cheering for him and his squad. So I hope they do well, you know, a similar market to us. But uh, I think you're spot on there with some of that analysis. Yeah, and we'll see though. It's I mean, it's going to be interesting. The AFC has just been very, very uh, tough this year because uh, yes. the crossover games against the NFC, the AFC has won most of those, and it's it's really made for a pretty competitive top seven, eight, nine, I guess you know. And a lot of teams that there's going to be a few teams on the outside looking in that are pretty good when it's all said and done. Absolutely. So, Sale, my last question for you: um, You're down on the field, um, really close with these guys, these professional athletes, and I remember my first time ever seeing Kobe. Brown Bryant live and it was just so different I was I was young I was so captivated by him and seeing him live I just I was in awe and it was even he was even more talented than I could ever really get a glimpse of on TV so my question to you is is there anybody that jumps out to you being on the NFL sideline where you were like wow this guy is he's just on another level he's even better than advertised my answer will actually surprise you I think my answer, believe it or not, is Philip Rivers. <laughs> um, I remember the first time I was on a field with Philip Rivers, and I'm like, he is way bigger than I thought. And like, just watching him throw a football, and I'm like, dear God, like, come on, are you kidding me? Now you got to remember the the first time would have been even like it was like 14, maybe 2014, maybe the Bills. He 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 was here. Uh, they won, but you know, so that was my first year on the sidelines. So I didn't have a big sample size of a lot of guys yet. Right. But I remember thinking that about him, like he is, he's a bigger dude than I thought. And he can throw a football that this is insane. Um, and that was kind of like my first exposure of like, wow, these guys, uh, but some of the, some of the things, it's not necessarily the, the actual athletes, um, the, the specific individuals. A lot of times it's just the speed of the play and the talent that really gets me. And I marvel at it really, you know, these guys make plays that you're like, that's just incredible. And the, the way right. when they hit each other, you, nah, you're like, that, that's how do you survive going through this, through, through, through a football game, much less a season or a career, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm in the same, same boat as you. Some Philip Rivers is, is an amazing athlete for him to still be playing at such a high level is just great. But Sal, Hey, thanks. We want to start wrapping it up. You've been super gracious with your time, but usually at the end of every pod, we ask some fun Buffalo questions. And since you are a Buffalo guy, uh, I'm interested to see your answer. So should I even ask if chicken wings are consumed by you? Oh yeah. I love them. Love uh, that should be if an I obvious, could eat right? pizza so, wings every night, I would. Yeah, right. Exactly. So one of our questions, because Eric and I differ on this. So are you a drums guy or a flats guy? Oh, I'm a drums guy. All right. That's that's good to know. Who, we uh, who, we have a little here? poll going. 
So what's your play? What's your well, go-to place for wings around well, here? Well, are you so which guy? Whose drums? Whose wings? Out of you guys? Oh, I'm the drums. Okay, good. Coach Coach Eric has has the flats. I'm also so I mean, I'm also I mean, a drummer. Go out, it's perfect. I'm also a drummer. So you know we talk yeah. about you know, yeah. talk about being on stage and stuff. I'm also a drummer. So there you go. Um, yeah, where's my go-to place? I don't really have one. Um, I, I'll go anywhere for wings. I think wings in Buffalo are great, no matter where you go. Um, I live near the Elmwood Village, so Gabriel's Gate is good. You know, so mm-hmm. go over there. Obviously, Barbill is amazing if you're you know over that way or something like that. So you know, it doesn't really matter to me. I'll I'll go anywhere. We got a really good place over here on um on niagara street uh buffalo uh sports city sports city and um sports city brew pub it's really good and uh like i'll just go over there but again i don't want to just single anybody out but i'm just saying places close to me doesn't matter because they're all good yeah right they're all good um so sal one last one for me and then i'll let eric close maybe um in Buffalo, when you're not in season, I know football is a, a 365 type of a job right now anyway, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. what are you doing with either your wife or with Max getting out to do something fun and exciting? I, know, I do see that you're all over the place. What, what's one of the top things you like to do outside of work? We travel a lot. Uh, when we can, like, this is like when I have time, obviously I got to, you know, I cover the team, like you said, year round, I'm covering the draft, I'm covering the combine, the senior bowl, things like that. We like to travel. Um, you know, we'll go to Florida, see relatives. I love to, I got, I golf, I golf a lot. I like to play golf when I can, you know, as much as I can, I'll try to play a couple times a week in the summer if I can get out. Um, but my son, he's only seven. He loves to go to New York city. Uh, so we'll try oh, nice. and go to, we'll try and go to a Yankees game once a year. We'll drive to Cleveland for a baseball game. We'll drive to Pittsburgh. We try to go see stadiums. Uh, so nice. we'll go to games. If the Yankees are in town, that's the perfect scenario. But if not, that's okay. Uh, you know, we'll go to see another game. Um, we'll do that. We'll fly. My brother lives in Oregon. We'll fly out there. Uh, we like to, my wife and I like to go to Vegas. Sometimes we'll get a babysitter for a few days here to stay with Max and we'll, tr- we'll trek out to Vegas. We did that a lot. We went out there a lot before we had him. Uh, so, you know, we'll do stuff like that. So yeah, I think traveling would be the number one thing. The cruise, we took a cruise last year. I hadn't been on one since I've been on one in my life with my family when I was in my early twenties. And now I'm hooked and I just want to go on cruises all the time. <laughs> yeah, nice. All right. Well, Sal, thank you so much uh, for, for joining us on Beyond the Ball. It's been a pleasure. Um, I know I speak for Justin saying it was um, just a great experience hearing your story, um, going after your why, you know, sitting up as a little kid, knowing that this was what you wanted to do and you made it happen. So uh, thanks for coming on the pod. It's been a true pleasure. Yeah, no doubt, guys. And um, I'm still chasing that other goal, though, and that is to be the host of The Bachelor and Bachelorette. So, Chris Harrison, I'm coming after you. That's that's my that's my my goal that I haven't gotten to in life. So I, I'm going to I'm going to do that someday, I think. Hey, we're going to we'll push it as soon as this episode. <laughs> yeah, drops, I'm going to go. start tagging him. Go. So we'll there be good. Go. All right. Hey, Sal, thank you so much. Uh, I look forward to maybe seeing you talking with you in the future. Uh, have a good rest of the season and a good holiday, man. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. And thanks for doing this, too. I think it's a really important podcast and, and the message you're giving. So thanks. All right. Appreciate it. Thank you. If you have an existing podcast or are looking to launch your own pod but aren't sure where to start, the team at My Podcast Manager can help. Our podcast team works behind the scenes so you can do what you do best. We'll help you launch your podcast, make it sound great, and free up your time for the more enjoyable parts of podcasting. If you're ready to put your podcast editing, production, and promotion on autopilot with a trusted team of podcasting professionals, visit MyPodcastManager.com to get started. Thank you for listening to the Beyond the Ball podcast with Coach Eric Klump and Coach Justin Gersten. 